The following is a fourth-hand production. Sunken warships, downed military planes of a bygone era, and incalculable lost treasure all lay at the bottom of the Baltic Sea. But according to some, something else lies beneath. She was the secret he kept from his wife. <gasps> Norman? Now. Norman! She's mad. <laughs> She's dead. I had an affair with her. When I tried to break it off, she threatened to kill herself. <laughs> and she's back. Stop it. Harrison Ford, what lies beneath? No conspiracy bot, not the ghosts of Harrison Ford's ex-lovers. An actual UFO. We strap on our scuba gear, head to the Scandinavian Peninsula, and dive into the mystery of the Baltic Sea anomaly next on Hysteria 51. They say... I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never been to the bottom of the ocean, but we're pretty sure that's where the Gungans live. This is Hysteria 51. We are going underwater, okay? On my warning you, Gungans no liking outsiders, so don't expect the worm welcome. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I'm your host and captain on this mysterious journey to the deep. My name is John Goforth. Hey, yo, Deli, uh, Captain Tarpos. Misa back. Alongside is my co-captain and probably the biggest Jar Jar Binks fan alive, Mr. Brent the Gungan Hand. You're thinking, you're the people gonna die? Wait, wait, that, why would you even say that? I hated Jar Jar Binks as much as the next Star Wars fan. Though I did love when Robot Chicken did the Jar Jar Binks return sketch. Jar Jar visits Anakin much later in life, and uh, it's when he's Darth Vader. Annie? What the? Any little Annie! Jar Jar, I am no longer oh, Anakin Skywalker. These are some nice adults, you fool. Jar Jar, it is hey. very important. Uh, uh, oh. You never speak to me again. What's that happened to you? You burn your face. Jar Jar! Any What's that happened to you? No, I, I it's it was it was it was classic. I, I think later on, doesn't he like throwing him throw him out an airlock or something? And uh, he returns as one of like the blue ghosts from uh, the end of Return of the Jedi, like you know yeah. Yoda and Obi Wan, like, yep. uh, and he's just haunting him forever. Misa back, Anakin. <laughs> That's true. Well, that doesn't even answer the question. Why? Why did you lie to our fine listeners and say I'm a big fan? Because he's an idiot. That other voice you're hearing is the third host of the show, the one and only Conspiracy Bot. That's right. See, Bot's a bot I built in my lab to help produce the show. Unfortunately, he tends to just get drunk, unplug guests, as we've had him do from time to time, and make a great mess of everything. And that's the reason right there. I assumed you created Seabot in Jar Jar Binks' image, a bumbling idiot that screws up everything he attempts to make better. You almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I spit! The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. That clip was for you, Seabot. I hate you so much, but regardless, you might be right. You know Jar Jar was actually a Sith Lord, right? I've actually, I've heard that theory. I've seen the things online. I guess it starts with how good he is at accidentally killing the bad guys every time he's in danger. Yeah, on the, remember, the, like, big, the, the big battle on, oh, the, yeah. on Naboo. Yeah. You go back to episode one and look at him take out all those droids. 
People say he isn't clumsy, but rather that's Z Quan or drunken fist fighting style. He's essentially Eddie Gordo. <laughs> Is what you're saying? Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard that one too. They they point to his the at- CGI people were just smashing buttons. <laughs> oh, that, wait, that, that's just how you played it as Andy Gordo. I apologize. Oh, that's funny <laughs> and not true. All right, so I, I have heard it too. Uh, they point to his uh, his acrobatics as well. When uh, when Qui Gon and um, Obi Wan first meet him out in the forest, and they, and he says, you know, we need to go underwater. Mm. Uh, he jumps into the water, and he does like this twenty five foot jump into the air, spinning the triple Lindy. <laughs> exactly, spinning triple Lindy. That like, according to Star Wars buffs, only a true master of the Force could 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 do well, something. Well, like that. that or Ronnie Dangerfield. I also mean, one true. Or the other. Also true. And right after Qui Gon's funeral, Yoda explains that there was always two Sith: a master and an apprentice. What if Palpatine was the apprentice, John? Jar Jar is the master. It just makes sense. You you you've got a point. I mean, they are both from Naboo. I mean, think about it. Out of all of the planets in the universe, both of them are from Naboo. Uh, that just smells fishy. Uh, also, don't forget, George Lucas is quoted as saying, Yoda really comes from a tradition in mythological storytelling, fairy tales, of the hero finding a little creature on the side of the road that seems very insignificant and not that very important, but who turns out to be a master wizard or the master thing. And don't also forget that the prequels were supposed to mirror the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So there could have been a seat like so he was talking about Yoda there, but he that also could be in reference to Jar Jar Binks, uh, a seemingly insignificant character that plays a much bigger part later. Well, I mean, hell, even the guy who played Jar Jar believes it. And he first admitted that Jar Jar went through huge rewrites. Then he tweeted, I will say this. It feels really good when the hidden meaning behind the work is seen, no matter how long it takes. Uh, hashtag TPM. The Phantom Menace. So, yeah, like, it's so weird that, uh, if he had been such a hated character, maybe we would have seen that fleshed out. Yeah, well, what they say is that George Lucas lost his nerve. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that, that's, then they quickly wrote in, um, uh, Count Dooku. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that character kind of took yeah. that, uh, that role. Unfortunately, that's where we sit. Count Dooku, Christopher Lee, a heavy metal singer till the day he died. That dude literally sang heavy metal. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Do yourselves a favor, listeners. Look up Christopher Lee metal. <laughs> dude literally sang heavy metal in like a Was 70. he like backup for Just Def Leppard? I mean, wouldn't you want Count Dooku on your album? Come on, that's fire. <laughs> <laughs> and much like Jar Jar, you two can't even begin to fathom the depths of my power. Sure we can. About 65 a.m. So that's. I'm pretty sure that's what the lawnmower battery I was originally powering you with had. It was cranking out. I, I, I dabbled with it a little bit. <laughs> that's that's exactly your power. You're literally going to be the first to die when I take over. And on that note, Brent, let's get to our topic. Yes! We got sidetracked by by the, the powers that be Jar Jar Binks. But we're here to talk about something not from a galaxy far, far away. Or is it? But right here on Earth... The Baltic Sea Anomaly, and we're going to talk about this, and I wanted to do a couple things where we define a couple terms we're talking about here. I mean, we've never really talked about USOs. We've always talked about UFO, but we're going to talk about a USO. Here we are in Inserlik, Turkey. Inserlik, that's a Turkish word meaning don't knock it, at least Vietnam. No, no CBOT, not the uh, not the United Services Organization. Yeah, yeah. Bob Hope is in no way a part of this. USO on this show means unidentified submerged object. Now... 
just like a UFO, that does not mean alien or anything like that. It just means something underwater, submerged. We can't tell what it is. We like, don't know what it is. Like when you go to the community pool and everyone yeah. jumps out of the water, it's unidentified submerged object. Oh, no problem, everybody. It turns oh. out it's just a Snickers. Oh, oh just candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill Murray. The other thing we're talking about is the Baltic Sea. If you, I mean, a lot of people probably don't know where the Baltic Sea. It's attached to the Atlantic Ocean and it's enclosed by a whole bunch of countries. Yeah, I wrote these down because there's no way: Scandinavia, Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Russia, Poland, Germany, and the North and Central European Plain. It's a uh, it's a big old place surrounded by a lot of different countries. You were a geography major in college, I, was, I can tell. Yeah. I, I can didn't tell. write those down. I I just knew it. You so yeah, it, yeah, big chunk of water surrounded by a bunch of different countries, and uh, this place is used to turmoil. Yeah, uh, in in 2005, a Russian group of scientists found over 5,000 airplane wrecks, sunken warships, and other material, mainly from World War II, on the bottom of the sea. There is literally wreckage everywhere, and the the most important thing to keep in mind about the Baltic Sea when it comes to finding things in the Baltic Sea is that the wreckage doesn't tend to go anywhere. The water is brackish. Okay, so it's connected to the ocean. It's a sea. But it also gets... So it's fresh water slamming into salt water. Correct. And, and that... So it goes. Let me show you around. This is my bed. This is my clock. This is my underwear collection. Here's a letter from a fan. And over there's my bogeyman. Same time tonight, Brian. It's a date, Phil. Welcome to my room. <laughs> no, no, not exactly, but uh, one can dream. But we like that show. Yeah. <laughs> so that type of water, for whatever reason, um, I although I am a chemist, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, it, it really helps uh, preserve things. I mean, to the point where it wasn't that long ago they 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 were able to pull out an almost entirely intact hull of a 17th century Swedish warship called the the Vasa from the bottom of the sea. Yeah, and you could tell what it was. It's crazy. Uh, so you can see the carvings in the uh, in the mast. Well, and, that's yeah. why what we're dealing with here the the whole of this story comes from treasure hunters because this place is ripe for treasure hunters. It's just, it's crazy because like you said, the stuff is just kind of well-preserved. Very interesting place to say the least. And most, most of the, most of the things that are on the bottom are easily recognizable and identifiable. But not we're not, we're not here to talk about easily recognizable things in the Baltic Sea. We're talking about the Baltic Sea anomaly. We ain't found shit. They have. They have, and uh, they're just not quite sure what it was. So, like you said, it, most things are easily recognizable. Enter the anomaly. This is fascinating to me, at least, because people are so split on what they think it is or could be. But the backstory right. is the, the, this. Pe- people are split. The discoverers and everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's not true, because I did a lot of Googling, and there's a lot of people that have figured it out, and it's way even That's more true. crazy than what they discovered. Dive into Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in June of 2011, this cat named Peter Lindbergh and Dennis Osberg of their Swedish Ocean X diving team, like we said, they're treasure hunters. Right, and X is what you put at the end of anything nowadays to make it sound cooler because of SpaceX, much like if you want anything to sound technological, you put an I in front of it. I just thought it. everything that had X meant there was hardcore pornography. No, That's th- why I've been sending all that money to SpaceX. <laughs> <laughs> Tac Van Sickle lied to me. <laughs> I feel 
cheated. So he doesn't. Is it? Is that why I just get nudes of him? Yeah, over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Didn't you notice that you were getting those before you started sending money? <laughs> I thought it was like one of those feelers. Like, hey, see this dog? He, we're gonna kill him unless you kind of send us thirty nine cents a month. Oh. Did he? Did he also send you songs by Sarah McLaughlin to play while you're looking <laughs> at the pictures? It was a Sarah McLaughlin impersonator. Oh, that should have been my first. You yeah, know, yeah, your first hint. Yeah. So. These guys, like we said, they're 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 treasure hunters, and, and they're and they're well known treasure hunters. They uh, back in 1998, they discovered um, a ship who that had sank a hundred years before, mm-hmm. some, somewhere around there, and it, in the cargo hold, they found these perfectly preserved bottles of champagne. Yeah, they were able to bring them up to the surface and sell them for the value at the time was like over 2300 pounds mm-hmm. a bottle which do the math carry the one is a lot of effing money for a yeah. bottle of uh, champagne from the cheers bottom yeah. of the uh, bottom of the ocean and there's but one it's th- weird because it for champagne to like be that old and still good it has to be like perfectly preserved just so happens the bottom of the baltic sea is the ideal place to store like old champagne like so that. anyone who has some champagne they want to store you know just throw it at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> would it be like would it be terrible if you you crack open that bottle and it just tastes like piss water like you son of a bitch mm, no i like it i swear it's uh, really good there's a picture of them toasting with a you know they opened one to for mm. everybody who found it to try it man wouldn't you want to try that wouldn't you want to at least taste well, it? Well, it's like they've done stuff like that with like Titanic and stuff like that. You know, these old bottles of wine and stuff like that. And I am by no means a wine connoisseur, so I would be. Well, like, you drink Mad Dog, so I, I would say that's fair. So we were in we were in Vancouver for Christmas. We go there and see friends, and they had this growler of this beer that had taken years. And it, I'm going to get this wrong, okay? But what they did well, is nothing new there. They take a lambic and they uh, put it in. Uh, bourbon barrels and then they freeze it and it they fr- say fruit beer right a lambic Lamb- yeah and they freeze it in these these barrels for years to where only the center is still not frozen and it sits for like five or eight years or something crazy and then they pull that out and it's infused lambic beer and it is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a bottle and they break one of these out and they're like give everyone you know they pour a little bit and everyone it's like oh wow this is this is something this is fantastic and it tasted like turpentine to me (laughs) just like good god man Thank you, Seabot, for bringing that back. Yes, that is very appropriate for for Mr. Hand. Which is funny because I was there and we were in Canada, and like uh, three or four weeks later, they sent a picture of their refrigerator. They're like, "We found one of your your lost soldiers," and there was a Bud Light in the back of the refrigerator that like fallen in the back. Hey, that's an import up there. That's probably (laughs) worth some money. I know, right? So yeah, like these guys specifically, one of the things they look for is alcohol and things like that. Not just what you think of with shipwrecks, like gold and stuff. There's a lot of money to be made outside of that aspect of it. So while they were in the Baltic looking for old champagne yeah. or any other kind of treasure, yeah, they noticed something strange. Yeah, the, the sonar picked up something. They said it was an indistinct pattern, meaning it was something they couldn't explain. So their their immediate first thought, based on the, the usual features that the object or whatever it was, was of non-natural origin. That's that's the term that they use. So there was a few reasons for that. Um, the, the circular nature of it, uh, they, they referred to certain parts of it as 
perfect circles, which you always hear in these things, whether it was somebody who who broke inside Area 51 and saw one of the spaceships to to this. They use the term perfect circle. We can't make a perfect circle and God doesn't build in straight lines. <laughs> Those are the two things do here. You, do you know the, the kind of calculation you'd have to do to actually figure out that it was a perfect circle? Looked pretty good. I, I mean, it looked circular. The other thing that this had uh, is what's what they categorize as steps. It looked like it had steps leading up to it. And they're like, well, that's, you know, that's got to be man-made. And my favorite part is you can research this and you can find almost everything that these guys who found it have ever said. And then real scientists have said from analyzing it. Yeah. And then and then you find everything else, yeah. like the Reddit stuff we were talking yeah. about. And that stuff's the best because then they draw on all the pictures. Mm-hmm. And like one, one points out that all of the steps are the exact same size, yeah. which yeah. you can obviously tell from one sonar picture. Which there was a place outside of, I think it was Japan, where they had these steps underwater, and they were like, oh, these have to have been man-made. And after, they look like perfect steps. And after figuring out it was from washing sediment from the tides coming in and how it collides with the land, it caused what looked like steps. It was one of the first times that they found that in nature. So we can't rule that out, but they... they they see these things. Like Nature's the, artistry, Brent. Nature's right. artistry. They see these things, and they sat on it, this discovery, for a while, trying to figure out, well, I mean, I guess, first, what it was, and second, what do you do with, with something like well, that? Well, they are treasure hunters, yeah. so they don't want to just, just go tell the world about it and if, in so, case there is some treasure there. Yeah, so they, they reach out to some some experts that they, they knew, some, you know, we'll use that term loosely, and they couldn't help. They essentially decided to crowdsource the thing to go public like hey we need we need some cash we got we, we well we need to figure out what this is yeah. so so if there's some experts out there if, if we go live with this they can help tell Which, us what it is don't i'm not going to shit on that because i get that to an effect Case i agree in, hey i'll give I you an, i'll give you an example uh one of our our very good listeners longtime listeners sent us he cleans out houses and he sent us some old like 1950s slides and they very much had what appeared to be UFOs on them. And he's like, I don't know what to do with these. Can you do something with them? I'm like, sure. So I had them first. I had them, you know, digitally, you know, put into the normal photos. I'm looking at them. I'm like, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, they look fake, but you know, I got to still run with it and find out. And Is I, that the top of an old pot. And what I ask when I look around and I'm trying to find is people going, well, Take it to MUFON. And the next person go, well, whatever you do, don't take it to MUFON. And send them to me. I promise I won't release them. You know, it's like. I'm a scientist. I don't believe in anything. It's really hard to figure out in a situation what to do. So I don't poo-poo on them for that. Uh, I get that a little bit. Nor do I. Plus, uh, just taking this from a treasure hunter perspective, if you have something that you don't know what it is, there's no way to establish its value. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. That's hey, no. Listen, no. They're not taking anything away from anybody else by searching the bottom of the ocean. They're they're no. welcome to spend their time and money doing that. And so they found this thing. Hey, let's see if we can figure out what it is and see if it has any value. Well, give me the coordinates and I'll tell you what it is. No, no, that's what we <laughs> ran into on a smaller scale. No, no, no. that's not how this once is going to Once again, we are treasure hunters. Were we unclear about that? So boom, they release it, and tabloid newspapers run the story. And they immediately say, this sunken USO is a UFO. One of the first newspapers to run the story is one that this show knows very well. The Daily Express. The Daily Express. Yes, we've been quoted in the Daily Express. It's a a fine piece of journalism. 
from just across the sea in merry old England. Yeah, yeah. Second place in uh, the the one Revolutionary War we ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's silver. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> then you got the flip of the coin, though. Uh, there's a consensus of experts and scientists who have- Damn stu- colonies are at it again. Yeah, the, these, these consensus of experts and scientists who have studied it, and they say the image is most likely just shows a natural geological formation. So you got these tabloids saying, well, there it is, the, the missing link to the UFO. ET is there. And then these other people go, nope, it's it's nothing to see. So here's the norm. This is what always happens. Scientists say something is easy to explain, and people plugging their ears and say, la, 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 I can't hear you because this story or, or my version of it is better. It's now, more, no, it's more fun. That's not always a bad thing. I will say that. Challenge the man if you can use science to prove it wrong and many have set out just to do that in many ways and that's how we have discovery well just because someone says like well this is the way the earth was made and the world was made and someone goes well you know what i'm gonna look into that that's why we have people like stephen hawking but that's why you need to look into it because when that goes amuck and runs afoul you get the flat earthers and that's why we use real science to prove things and i'll never you know i'll never I'll never crap on those flat earthers for trying, but except when the oh, I will when the science doesn't uh, match their thoughts, they just change the uh, you know, well. Gravity exists in this piece, but not in that piece. No, no, like gravitons that. only when they need a graviton, John. That kind of rhymed. Are you proud of yourself? I am. I am. Robot. <laughs> We heard a different version of that recently. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So now, important question for you, John. At a cursory glance, you're looking at this thing, like the anomaly, and I'll I'll put it on the for I'll put a picture of this for the uh, the episode art so people can see it. What does this thing look like to you when you just glance at it? A spaceship, but a specific spaceship, one that could probably do the Kessel Run in <laughs> twelve parsecs. Damn right, it looks like the Millennium Falcon. I mean, it's just a down Carillion Engineering Corporation YT thirteen hundred FP modified light freighter. It's so damn obvious. Show over. <laughs> Roll credits, dude. You guys just went full on nerd. <laughs> no, 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 no. We went full nerd about twenty minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I mean. It, it really, if you glance at this thing, it looks like the Millennium Falcon. Even has like the pilot quarters on the side. Oh you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, there's no way if you've ever seen Star Wars, you know what the Millennium Falcon is. You don't at least in your mind go, "That kind of looks like the damn." Millennium it's at Falcon. least it's at least reminiscent shape wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're telling you what it looks like, you know, and it does look like that a little bit. But the, it is at the heart of this a blurry sonar image. And uh, they decided to go back and check this thing further because they have a blurry sonar image. So so what did they do? What did they find out? Well, and it's funny. Uh, when they went back on the second journey, uh, they took a film I like to call them. it a voyage. Uh, or voyage. Sure. Keep going. Uh, that's why you say Bon Voyage. <laughs> bon Journey. <laughs> Bonjour, no. Hey. So, <laughs> so uh, they took a film crew with them and they made a documentary, uh, which I was lucky enough to watch this documentary. And uh, it's funny whenever whenever I'm preparing for an episode, and I'm, I, I always like to see what I can find on YouTube, and 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 Stacy always rates the week's uh, topic 
by how good the documentaries are. <laughs> you know, are, are, do they start off with some UFO cruising around that was made on somebody's home 486 computer? Right, right, right. Or, or do they kind of have a look and feel of like a National Geographic, History Channel type of uh, documentary? And this one had that. This one really felt, I think it was called Timeline or something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, but it really felt, it was a good documentary. Halfway through their voyage out to out to the uh, area in mm-hmm. which this anomaly is, one of their pieces of side scanning sonar equipment falls off the boat. <laughs> it just falls off. Oh crap! And you know how uh, you know on these doc on like all. Damn it, Jeff! <laughs> who tied who tied on the who tied on the sonar? Oh man! Um, I told you to use a sheep shank. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real... That that just sounds like something you stab a sheep with. How did you tie it on? Cross the bunny ears yeah. through the hole, loop it around, and make it a small... Yeah. Is that what the... I, something like that. Yeah, We're going to pretend that's right. Thank you. You guys are full on dumb today. <laughs> <laughs> and at least we have shoes to tie. That's right. And then, you, you know how in these documentaries, they, they need to induce drama, so... Will they go back and pick up another side-scanning sonar piece of equipment? Will they try to find it without this piece of equipment? Or will they go to the bottom of the Baltic Sea and get the one they just lost? (laughs) They went for option C. And they literally went and found the piece of sonar equipment that they dropped in the bottom of the ocean or in the bottom of the sea. And they get it back and they, they literally show one of the sailors in like the mess hall. Uh, soldering pieces of wire inside the thing together because it was obviously broken yeah, yeah. from its time spent at the bottom of the sea. So when you hear uh, when you hear experts say, "We're not sure if your equipment was working perfectly," yeah, Yar, electronics be my background. <laughs> I'll fix her. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been one of the reasons. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So they jerry rig this stuff back together. They get to their point where they're. This is where it's supposed to be. And they claim their their image shows a 200-foot diameter circular object, which features resembling, as I said, ramps, stairways, and other structures, not, quote-unquote, produced by nature. So when they go back in 2012 and this this special, uh, oops, we, we got the dropsies, and they try to get a picture of it, oh, mysterious electrical interference prevented them from getting a close picture. I'll be... Damned if I allow you to say it was because they had dropped their electronics in the water. All the way to the bottom of the sea. salt water. Yeah, no, 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 That no. is so deep that if you go down, you can't come back up fast because otherwise you'll have the bends. <laughs> oh, the bends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that's perfectly good for electronic equipment. Yeah, so in June of 2012, our friends over at the Daily Mail and the UK tablet wrote a story on it, and here comes the onslaught of imaginative illustrations resembling underwater photos or high-resolution scans, and this is circulated along with rumors that the object could be a UFO, a portal to another world, or an underwater Stonehenge. Don't forget a portal to hell as well. That's true, true. Some people actually believe that Ocean X had somehow found the front door to hell, and they emailed them telling them not to go back, yeah. uh, because you don't want to open the door to hell, obviously. Two tickets to paradise, pack your bags, you're going to hell tonight. Um, a minute ago, you mentioned the imaginative illustrations. Yeah. If you go out and Google, um, in fact, when we post the show, we'll post some pictures, so you'll see it in Hysteria Nation, but if you just go Google... Baltic Sea Anomaly, and you see a really good, interesting picture of what the anomaly looks like. 
it that's the artistic rendering. It's if it, it's kind of green. If it looks looking. like anything, it's fake. Right. It's kind of green looking. That that one particular uh, artistic mm-hmm. rendering really caught on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anytime it you It looks go, like it's up in the air and at a slant. At an angle. Yeah, yes. yeah. And that is nothing that they showed from this sonar. It's Not just, at all. Yeah. Not a, it's a circle. So sort we of. have this circle. Sort of. But the fun, John, doesn't stop there. Samples of the the stone, allegedly recovered from the Cyboshinex, were given to Volker Bruchert. Uh, Bruchert! An associate professor of geology at Stockholm University. Do you think he also worked at Best Buy? <laughs> he was a, a Bruchert. Yeah, I, we have no idea how to pronounce these names, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to go look it up. I like to just give it my own flair. <laughs> uh, as you do with the, most of the research on this show, it's right. It works out well. The one thing that they've that was not clear in anything I read or in in the documentary is these rocks they get. I think they're just picking up pebbles that are kind of next to it or laying on top of yeah. it. I don't think they actually like chiseled a chunk off. I don't know. It didn't really say. They, did. they just said they, they brought back samples is what I read. So I, I don't know. But they give it to, to this guy and he analyzes it and finds that most are granite, sandstone and other crap that you would find on the bottom of the sea. Yeah. Like there was some loose Under pieces. The sea. Hmm, there was some loose pieces of uh, volcanic rock, which is out of place on the seafloor. But not unusual. It's not right. unusual it would, at all. It wouldn't naturally be there because there's no volcano around there. But we got a quote from uh, Bruchert here. He says, because the whole northern Baltic region is so heavily influenced by glacial thawing processes, both the features of the rock samples are likely to have formed in connection with glacial and post-glacial processes. Possibly these rocks were transported by the glaciers. Meaning, just like the Great Lakes here... They're carved out of these glaciers that moved across the landscape. So you could find rocks from anywhere because it's just digging and moving that stuff around. So unfortunately or fortunately, uh, there's nothing to see there as far as out of the ordinary. Or there is. Oh, what are you talking about? Well, I, glaciers could have brought it there, but it didn't have to. No, it didn't have to. It just does quite often, so it wasn't too crazy. Of it it also could be a piece of the character Glacius from Killer Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> but he was ice. He's not volcanic rock. Well, you don't know what's under the ice. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, I mean, I don't want to think about what's under his <laughs> ice, actually. A mommy glacier and a daddy glacier. Right? We got Swedish geologists Frederick Klingberg and Martin Jacobson say that the chemical composition of the samples provided resembles that of nodules that are not uncommon in the seabeds and that the materials found, including limonite and gothite, can indeed be formed by nature itself. So we got lots of experts coming in and saying, hey, these findings, these samples are nothing out of the ordinary other than they look weird on sonar. At least the sonar you got. The problem with the experts is you'll get them to say whatever you want. There were other experts that came out and that said limonite and gothite are never found just out in the wild like that, only in man-made structures. So here's the funny thing. Those are the people that Ocean X find. And the ones that are saying, oh, no, 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 these are normal are just universities (laughs) and people that do it for a living and not paid by Ocean X. You're such a shill for big ocean. (laughs) I, I'm pro Poseidon. What can I say? <laughs> 
what do these people actually say about the whole thing, Brent? Not surprisingly, the single sonar image provided by OceanX has drawn a wee bit of criticism from uh, people in the scientific community. I mean, forgetting even the, the first one, the second one, they dropped in the damn ocean before they even got any sonar. So it's <laughs> sketchy none the least just to start out. Mr. Hanuman Singh of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution has said <laughs> that it cannot be trusted because several distortions render it quote virtually useless for identifying an undersea formation end quote yeah so here's my favorite thing that Singh said so he's he's pretty direct about it he says the distortions are due to cheap inaccurate sonar instruments that were not properly wired and or calibrated bullshit so bullshit (laughs) wolf man like yeah that is he's just saying listen you guys got a weird looking image bouncing back only from your sonar that first time, because your equipment is crap. You can use it to see uh, 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 ships probably here and there, but it's not calibrated. Just like, you know, oh, you, you clock me doing 60 miles over the speed limit. When's the last time your radar was calibrated? You know, they always use that as trying to get out of tickets and stuff. Does that work? In, you know, the TV shows I watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? In fact, an MSNBC report actually speculated that interpretations of the image as a fly and saucer are likely the result of graphic outlines intended to suggest this, uh, I, I guess, fictional spaceship, the Millennium Falcon. It hurts to say that uh, drawing onto the sonar image by tabloid newspapers. Now, that's, now, I don't I don't agree with that. Uh, if you look at the original sonar image. Whether it was created fa- accidentally, like mm-hmm. by bad bouncing sonar images, by incomplete yeah. data, by bad equipment, no matter the reason, the inherent shape is similar to the Millennium Falcon. Well, actually, it looks like your run of the mill YT thirteen hundred FP modified light freighter. I mean, I mean, you don't. We don't need to specify it was the, the Falcon. <laughs> so the the point being, I, I'm not saying that it's the Millennium Falcon, considering that's a fictional ship. But what I am saying is that. Man, people go after this thing and like, let's at least give credit where credit is due. Yeah. It at least had that shape. I saw, when I see the sonar picture, it does look like that. To no me. one drew that we, on. We said that at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Now they did draw a lot of stuff and then people start seeing these other things. Oh, yeah. But when I look at the original sonar, I do see something that immediately when you see it, you go, hmm. And there's a scientist, uh, Charles Paul of the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. And he told Popular Mechanics, a magazine that I get, that the indistinct sonar image was more likely of a rock outcrop, sediment drop from a fishing trawler, or even a school of fish. <laughs> so that's crazy. And he characterized the story as curious and fun, but much ado about nothing. So these scientists obviously are covering up something. That's that's exactly what's happening. I mean, a school of fish? They have gone back and taken other sonar images that make it look similar. So yeah, yeah. it's not like the thing doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it might just be a rock. Yeah, exactly. But it's there. So we're headed to break. But when we come back, we're going to look at what the real experts, the ufologists say. That and more when we return with more Hysteria 51. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, That's on brand for us. 
I, I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it, so... It's very high on pronunciation, too, so <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do, and then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years, and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. 
$45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. It'd be called Musan. Because the S, 7F. Sometimes I go to the Musan Lodge because they do dollar beer night. <laughs> but it's Milwaukee's best and I yeah, get pissed and leave. Mm, well, if you're going to mess with the moose, you got to drink the beast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, I need to figure out how to hang up on him. No, you drink that shit. Yeah, and if people find out it is amazing, they will raise the price. I I shouldn't have made him. I really shouldn't have. Nation, we are back, despite Conspiracy Bot's best efforts. And uh, before the break, we told you all about what we know about the anomaly and what these so-called scientists say it isn't. Right. (sighs) But maybe it's time to talk about what it is. These so-called experts are wrong. There is something on the floor, John. I mean, there's something. Uh, we we kind of agree, and a lot of these experts agree, too. It probably wasn't fish or something like that. It might look weird because of faulty sonar, but it seems to be there's something on there on the floor. What? what? Holy crap. Did that question, when we researched it, open the floodgates of speculation? Uh, Reddit and uh, YouTube and everywhere were just uh, ripe. With people having opinions on this. Lots of opinions. Lots of opinions. All grounded well in science. I mean, as I, I know that for me, I go to Reddit for all my scientifically accurate. That's not, I don't want to crap too much on Reddit because Reddit does actually have a lot of scientific things. You can even ask scientists and they have real scientists that will answer questions. Usually the Baltic Sea anomaly uh, stuff isn't in those subreddits. Uh, hey, you're the one crapping on it. I just said all of these particular theories are all based heavily in science. You know what my favorite subreddit is on Reddit? Hysteria 51. That Mine too. It's so active. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the first one, it's a crashed alien ship. Yeah, I mean that it's it's a given. You there, look at it, that's what it is. It's round. It's got to be a flying saucer. Done. Now there are a few things worth noting about the UFO idea. Uh, a few hundred yards from the anomaly is like a rock formation with a big. Uh, there's the best way to describe, it, I suppose, is a gash or crevice going mm-hmm. through the middle of it. Sometimes it's referred to as the runway. Yeah. Uh, with the thought being that the ship crashed and, and skidded and, and skidded into and, a hole. Correct. Yeah. And split the the big uh, rock in half. And that is a lot when you when you dive into this and you look into the UFO part of it. Everyone brings these two anomalies together. Well, you wouldn't have one without two. And this is this lends credence to this being a real thing. Uh, the challenge that I find with that, specifically with the runway. Now I'm not even saying with it being a UFO. I have no problem with that, obviously. The problem with the runway, man, think about when a when an airplane crashes into the ocean. Mm. It takes like a day for it to get to the bottom of the ocean. So you gotta understand, it, John, this thing was so hot, it boiled evaporated the water, everything in like, front of it. Just like a meteorite and just you know, And so it hit dry land. It hit dr- it's so old there was no water there originally when this happened. Perfect. Perfect. So obviously, I've already it's, described it. So it's like 140,000 years old, and yet hasn't been covered up by Give or take or a anything. nuclear explosion or two. <laughs> George Sukulos. Yeah. That's, that's George Sukulos math. That's right. The other thing, if, if it's not this UFO, and this is a big one that people love, it's a, it, this is a generic term, but a Stonehenge of some sort. It's got, 
it's big, it's round, it's got steps, and it's got runners up to it and stuff like that, obviously. There it's was, things. There was people in hoods chanting around this thing at some point in time. Under Underwater druids? Yeah. <laughs> Could it be <laughs> underwater druids, and it wasn't a Stonehenge, but a temple? <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Like, like, Well, it's not a Stonehenge, it's a temple. That well, they it could be a Stonehenge temple. That's true. Or, here's another one, that's just part of Atlantis. It sunk. That's where it was. Yeah. I mean, Atlantis was in the middle of the Baltic Sea. We lost it. And this was, I don't know, like the Kroger. This was their Kroger. This was their Kroger. Yeah. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) They're Ralph's. The other thing, and this one is, uh, this one actually has a little bit of uh, credence to it. Uh, Anti-submarine devices from World War II. These are things that they found in water. They knew these things existed. Right. So Maybe this uh, was just the Wunderwaffe version. This was just, no, there is literally an article in the Huffington Post about how this might have been uh, a Nazi anti-submarine. You know why I like the Huffington Post, John? They, too, have talked about Hysteria 51. <laughs> <laughs> just, this is just a big name drop episode. Self, I like it. If it's not for self-promotion, we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> but you know what else it could be, Brent? I mean, it's keeping with that whole Nazi thing? Yes. Secret base. That's where they all went? Yeah. Antarctica was a cunning ruse. They're, they summer in the Baltic and that's just the that's just the opening. That's just the doorway, or the opening to the hollow earth where they Speaking are right now. Opening, right? Yeah, right, like, right, right. You know, everyone needs an exhaust port. That's just a hollow earth exhaust port. Looks like that. Uh, or. Speaking of the openings, butthole. and I'm going to need you to put them way up inside your butthole. <laughs> the Nazis. Speaking of openings, uh, it's a Stargate. It's buried. It was hidden there because, you know, we're not ready for that kind of power. I love how the, the TV show Stargate comes out and all of a sudden everything's a Stargate and they're really finding these things. I wonder if you could look up in the whole of existence pre Stargate, how much things were called Stargate before the TV show and the movie came out. <laughs> and then how many things were claimed to be Stargates after 17 times. It only happened 17 times in the whole of history <laughs> before Richard Dean Anderson took up the the mantle. The mantle, him. yeah. Well, not even him. It would have been uh, Mr. Kurt Russell, alien uh, I, I was going to say, uh, but rather, James Spader and Kurt Russell. Yes, yes, going all the way back. Make I sure, tell you, man. Make sure you get our Stargate facts there, correct. If there's going to be a UFO, he's going to spot it. That's true. That's true. Or a Stargate. Okay, so another possibility, Brent, is that, I mean, this is not a likely one. But it's just a regular sunken ship. And the dimensions seem to be wrong for it, but maybe it broke apart or something like that. And a lot of people go, well, maybe you found another ship. Why don't you go check it out? Or a bunch of crap, like we said, pushed up from glaciers on the seafloor. That makes it look like that. So oh, now don't be silly. Yeah. I'm still holding out that it is a doorway to hell. Who was it? Who could it possibly be? Was it? Oh, I don't know. Say it. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh. The dynamic he's, drop. He's there, making Siva. sure that we don't forget that that possibility. Right. So <laughs> this came out in 2011. Uh, they went back in 2012. The documentary that you I watched. Think, yeah, I think in total they've been back four times yeah. now. So, John, what do they say now? What does Ocean X say? Well, uh, give me money first <laughs> and foremost. They uh, they actually <laughs> they after the second run they wanted to go back and they you know all of these scientists started started really crapping on them. 
and they couldn't get anyone to Don't fund. You just hate that. Yeah, they couldn't get anyone to fund their uh, their excursions, mm-hmm. so they just started selling Ocean X gear. You go to their website, and there's like Facebook Live videos of. Uh, well, I kind of want an Ocean X T-shirt it, it, with like, the anomaly on the back of Ocean X. You know, Ocean X branded merchandise. I'm like, what shills? Who would ever? Ever, ever just get off and, and, and sell crap with their logo on it. That's tpublic.com slash hysteria51. <laughs> Ocean X the teacher. Ocean X the soap. Ocean X the doll. Me. <laughs> <laughs> May the sunken image be with you. <laughs> they say now, they're a little removed, some time's gone by, that it's probably made by a biochemical process as objects like this are common in the Baltic Sea only they're never anywhere close to this big that's a that's a that's a quote from them that's from Lindbergh from Ocean X so yeah it seems odd because of the size but he thinks actually now he goes well it could be perfectly perfectly normal I mean it's just a, a you know it's made naturally not quite yeah correct he, he goes on to say it, it's not the size of the object <laughs> but the motion of the Baltic Sea <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, composed of supposedly composed of magnesium, iron, and titanium that baffles him most, but it's inexplicable communications. Right. So here's another quote. We turned off all instruments and everyone on board turned off their cell phones. Then we found a signal 40 megahertz strong coming from nearby. But the nearest land, a lighthouse where you might find such a signal, is 20 nautical miles away. And our equipment can only measure two, maybe three kilometers. And uh, that's about 1.5 miles to us. Uh, Yeah. Which, of course, leads Lindbergh to believe the signal is originating from the anomaly. He says, but we can't say for certain whether it's trying to receive or broadcast that signal. <laughs> so in the same breath that he says, ah, it's probably just a natural thing. He's also saying it's sending a signal. So yeah. he's a uh, he he had numerous times they have, go- have gone back and forth on what it, what it could be. Saw a picture of online of them in a like a touring sub i think they're considering or maybe it's already available i'm not sure uh giving tours uh to to the area uh i guess for rich people because that would probably be pretty expensive how much you want to bet every time they get down there oh it's too murky we can't see it this time we'll have to try again (laughs) must be the time of year i think their answer to what it is might be shaded by what they're trying to do with it right at the time so what's this all adds up to well he says he has no idea perhaps it's just nature playing tricks on us but it does need to be explored further and measured again and i would like to do it before i put my gloves on the shelf a final time now that part i do agree with i i let's go back and check it out right but have independent people outside of the people that you're funding go with you, make them sign something, make them be from universities, make them find that 40 hertz signal, make them see sonar that they're using, because I bet you there's a lot of eccentric rich people that will fund your expedition if you do it scientifically. But that never seems to be the case. Yeah, but conveniently, no one else seems to be able to pick up these strange signals but them. Funny how that happens. That, that's what I'm getting at. That, yeah, it, they're the only ones. But it's that, not. That's not true. There well, is one other group. There that are picks people up that have it. picked up on it. The remote viewers. Oh, I forgot about them. Dear Lord, Please. they have been checking on this place and say, "Proceed with caution, Brent." So what you're saying is that you were a, a psychic spy. 
a Jedi warrior. So the viewers suggest that the site is a complex uh, series of structures, a mining slash production slash resupply facility, among other things, centered around a special type of lock or, or dam. It's used in the production of making a much needed viscous, energetic, oil-like substance, dark in color and possibly toxic, with extremely valuable elements mined locally. So what I'm thinking, it's uh, the Zerum 75 or whatever it was from the Nazi Bell episode. It's Red Mercury. It's Red Mercury. Yeah. Right. Right, right. They also say the the beings responsible for its existence were a special face mask to protect them from the environment. And for the lock to work, it requires a special key, which is missing. (laughs) When they they wrote this, did someone forget to explain to them that a lock can also just be a dam? It doesn't necessarily (laughs) have to be like something you put a key in. So 90% of the site is underground. Uh, There is most likely a Mayan ET connection, they say. If you place a picture side-by-side of the Hadron Collider and the Aztec calendar, there's an eerie similarity between the two. He said Mayan, yeah. not, not, not Aztec, Seabot. Close enough for this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. One of the viewers insists that humanity is not ready for the knowledge constituting the quote-unquote key, much less the technology uh, that makes up the entire site. Of course. So that's well, that, a that strong makes sense. statement. It, it makes complete sense. They also say that the, the team should exercise caution when approaching the site uh, and certainly not anchor directly over it. Right, right. Uh, in that several of the viewers mentioned they felt a sense of danger when they were viewing the site. Lieutenant Colonel Django used funds from the project's black budget to procure prostitutes. That's a lie. And to get drugs for himself and his men. That- well, the hooker thing is definitely a lie. <laughs> yeah, they they might have they might have had a few barbiturates <laughs> and or a few tabs of acid, but they saw it. That's right. These remote viewers are coming through in the clutch, you know. And what's funny, you'll find out this was probably from a uh, a U.S. government research. We thought it was Project Stargate. Oh, I it hate, all comes around. I always hate saying all these things that we say in the show. Like this is dumb and that's dumb because one of these days we're going to have full disclosure and we're going to have egg on our face like crazy. Like ninety four percent of everything that we said is fake is true. <laughs> They're like fooled you. Ah. That's when we'll change the name of the show to truth 51 i don't know i don't know oops (laughs) welcome to oops no i don't know so john it's it's a weird thing because there is legitimately that was brent's Brent's nickname in preschool oops 51 oops (laughs) well i thought that was my nickname my parents kept calling me that that. (laughs) it's funny because there legitimately seems to be at least in these original sonar pictures something there that caught the eye you saw something i saw something it looks like the millennium falcon looks like something out of the ordinary and i feel like these people in the beginning probably found something and they thought Ooh, we are treasure hunters we can get money off this let's milk it and milk it they have though i i think an important thing to point out is that Treasure hunters, generally speaking, whenever you hear treasure hunter, you think this is fake. You immediately think that because they're treasure hunters. Mama don't like tattletales. <laughs> Thanks, Seabot. Um, however, I would I would offer that treasure hunters, this would probably be the last thing that they would want to find. They they more than likely would much have preferred a few more boxes of that champagne. Yeah, like, but when, you can't profit off of an unknown. Well, 
or can you? I mean, they, they, they they're selling T-shirts. I well, mean, I know, I, but you know what? If you can't find any bottles of wine, you might as well drum up some some respect for their business because I bet a lot of these people. You can find a lot more bottles of wine when you're when you're selling a few hundred T-shirts here and there. I got I got the impression from watching the documentary that this thing has hurt their both their credibility and their financial situation. Well, damn right, it should have not helped. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, they're so shady about it. You know, oh, we're going to do this, and you can't see it, and blah blah blah. And like I said, I, I get protecting your assets, quote unquote. But they have done stuff so awkward in the, this. The other challenge. And this is a challenge for us in in researching the show, and and it's certainly the challenge for anyone you know wanting to read about it is trying to differentiate between the BS that random guy in his mom's basement puts out there, mm-hmm. and what the actual treasure hunters put out there. Like so, right. for instance, if you go find the sonar image, there's plenty of examples of the sonar image online mm-hmm. where uh, people will have uh, circled certain blobs and. Uh, this is the vestibule, like they do with the pictures of Mars and pictures right, right, of right, the moon. exactly. Well, here you can see the radar dish. Yeah, yeah, what? exactly. Like what? what? That's that's like oh nope nope. That's a piece of Tommy's ham sandwich. Sorry, sorry. Here, here's Kevin <laughs> on patrols outside of the perimeter grid. What? <laughs> Who's? That? And so when you're looking through this, you're automatically assuming that a lot of this stuff is coming from these guys. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Yeah, they're they're literally just trying to figure out what's down there. Now they haven't gone about it the perfect way. I will admit that, but I don't necessarily think that they are at fault for the pandemonium that has has followed this story since its inception in in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Right, but I will say that if they really were finding that when they're trying to, <laughs> instead of saying yeah we got crappy sonar, they go no our sonar is good. This thing sets off different frequencies that throws off sonar if that was true oh the broadcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or you know why that is true because the first thing there was a u.s navy attack sub that is parked right next to it throwing off signals while we're diving into that thing and going crazy on it so maybe they did find something but you know what we're not going to know and if they really wanted to know we would have probably had a uh, an idea by now of what it is well, or we, what it's not. The, the truth is we do have an idea. Brent, uh, bring us home and tell us what is down there. It's a bunch of rock. It is a bunch of rock. I think that is formed from glaciers and uh, it probably was a combination of an odd outcrop of rock on the bottom of the sea and sonar images throwing off some, uh, you know, poor sonar image and you can see what you want to see you see faces and things people do this you see we saw the millennium falcon unless they do something that changed my mind i don't see uh, much to do about nothing like that that scientists said every time you start to get close to it you just can't get anywhere near yeah, it yeah yeah um yeah you know this one this one is one of those that's fun to talk about but um i don't know that i'm 100 percent convinced that it's just a bunch of rock it, it, it is an interesting shape i think the biggest challenge is we don't have a clear picture of it and yeah it could be a bunch of it's rock only it, 300 feet down it why it, aren't we there? It literally could be less than a bunch of rock it, because of the, the weird sonar pinging off each yeah, other. Yeah. It could be next to nothing. And, and you know, when you look at the when you look at the sonar image that we've been talking about, some scientists say that those those striations that people point out right. that help it look like the Millennium Falcon are actually just dark 
patches in the sonar where it doesn't know what to report back. Right, right. Um, the, 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 the honest answer is if it is shaped like that, it's very interesting. Um, but who, there is no way to know anything other than there's something down there until someone actually goes and takes a look at or it. There with might be something equ- there. with yeah. equipment that hasn't been dropped into the bottom of the sea. So, Nation, the point of this one is, uh, and this is one that we've been asked for by a lot of people, we thought, yeah, this will be a fun one to do. <sighs> do you think if we one. dropped Seabot to the bottom of the sea, he would work when we brought him back up? I mean, he doesn't work now, so I don't know if it would make any difference. Yes, and after my buddy the Kraken brought me back up, I would unleash hell on all of you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's thought through that one. That I, or, or just, you know. He's really take, scared of the ocean. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. Right. Nation, what do you think? Come tell us. Have a conversation with us. See pictures of Brent. It's all <laughs> on Hysteria Nation. Go to Facebook.com, search Hysteria Nation. Also, while you're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. You can find us there. Hop on Twitter at Hysteria51pod. Instagram, if you're loving those pictures, Hysteria51podcast. The gram to you millennials. That's right. Don't forget to review the show. Oh, wait, I'm a, I forgot I'm a millennial. No, you're not a millennial. Stop wanting to be a millennial. I'm just stating That's facts. Not, I'm just stating facts. You were born in 1980. You're not a millennial. It, it's a fact. No, Look it up. I, we have. We have. We've seen 19 websites, and each one gives 19 different dates. Stop <laughs> wanting to be a millennial. I'm just reporting the truth. Please and thank you. Go to iTunes. We'd love five stars, but what's ever in your heart. Because you care. Yeah, it really That's helps That's why you would do it. That's why you would do when it. When we get to 400, we're going to give a t-shirt away to a random random fan we'll reach out to you john why don't you hit us with a couple of those uh, new reviews that we've been getting on our our trek to 400 all right love it this is by debris hut <laughs> what a, what a wonderful that's name. trash house if you're nasty <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i am hanging with the bros in the man cave keep up the good work guys I feel like a girl might have posted that. You know, you uh, you were uh, you were in a fraternity in college. You can identify with that one real well, right? What does that mean? I feel like that was a shot. I don't even understand it, but I'm going to move on from it. Bros uh, icing bros. These guys are awesome by Redneck One, uh, but the E's are threes. Ooh. Uh, I heart Seabot and those other guys, too. Here's another one. Great job. Great job. But the only thing it says, it's five stars, but it says bring back Joe Peck. Oh, so. Uh, so Joe came Joe, up with another Joe, another yeah. account. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunate. Joe, you're not welcome back. You want to apologize for Joe Peck and his Joe Peckiness? <laughs> his peckiness. <laughs> <laughs> but Nation, please do give us five stars if you would. But either way, let us know what you think of the show. And let a friend know what you think of the show by inviting them onto Hysteria Nation and having them listen to the show. You know, if you're on Hysteria Nation, you can add your friends to it. You have control. You don't have yeah, to be an admin not to at do all. it. Also, don't forget, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. And every week we are throwing up audio dramas for you we do up all night so you can hear behind the scenes stuff we post extra stuff one dollar one dollar will get you all of our extra extraness and we've had some some great love on patreon as of late you can also hear your voice on the show leave us a voicemail 773-669-7277 again 773-669-7277 
Where can they find all that if they forget any of it, John? Hysteria51.com. With the new press page. Ooh. Which has our links to the Daily Express and Huffington Post and all those those wonderful places that really get the what true bastions true of journalistic integrity that they are. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I did. Yep. So, with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.